your Bibles. I'm going to ask you to turn with me. Uh, we're going to go to Ephesians, the first chapter, um, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 15, Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 15. I started a, a series on Wednesday night, uh, and we entitled it Spiritual Authority and Accountability. Everybody say Spiritual Authority and Accountability. What I mentioned to the body of, of saints here on Wednesday night was that we live in, a, in an age, we live in an era where no one wants to be accountable to anybody. We live in an era where no one likes to submit to authority. We live in an era where people want to do their own thing and not be questioned about them doing their own thing. Huh? We live in an era where even believers, saints, have gotten to the point to where uh, no, they don't want anybody messing with their business. They don't want anybody in the middle of their, their house. But I got news for you. If you belong to God, he wants to be in the middle of your house. If you belong to God, he wants to be in the middle of your workplace. If you belong to God, he wants to be in the middle of your marriage. If you belong to God, he wants to be in the middle of how you handle your finances. If you belong to God, he wants to be in the middle of how you relate to your family members. If you belong to God, everything you have is subject to him. Can I get a witness? So we're going to pick back up on spiritual authority and accountability because this is sorely needed today. You know, in society today, people don't want to be accountable even for their own words. There's so much lying going on now. And starting with the biggest, the, the, the White House on down to your outhouse. People will lie and don't think anything about it. And, 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 and so we as a church cannot, uh, we, we can't afford to, to yield to the cultural norms of the day. We have to realize that the Bible speaks about spiritual authority and accountability. Can I get a witness? Amen. And so we're going we're gonna to deal with that. And so I want to give you, uh, I, don't, I won't have time to review, so you have to get the CD from Wednesday night uh, because you, you should have been here in half. You weren't working, okay? Just <laughs> a little throw out at you, you know. Quit picking at me, Pastor. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick at you. I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to keep encouraging. If you wasn't working, if you wasn't sick, if you wasn't out of town, you should have been here. So you got to go back and get the CD, okay? All right. But, but we talked about uh, biblical authority and accountability. We talked, we talked about authority and accountability in the church. And today we're going to pick back up. We're going to talk about the goal of biblical authority and accountability in the church. We talked about it, what it means, what it looks like. But we're going to look at what the goal of biblical authority and accountability in the church is all about. Okay, so let's go to Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus and in Ephesians chapter number one. Uh, let's begin our reading at verse number 15. Ephesians one, verse number 15. Can you all read along with me? We read from the KJV first. It says, what well, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my what? Prayers. Verse 17, let's read. 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Let's keep reading. The eyes of your understanding being what? Being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the same. Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his what? Of his what? The working of his mighty power. Let me read verse number 19 from the New Living Translation. He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power, verse 20, that Christ raised from the dead. And uh, that, that this is the mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Verse 21 from the New Living Translation says, Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. Verse 22, God has put what? All things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for what? The benefit of the church. He has made Christ head over all things for the benefit of what? The church. I got a question for you. Are you a part of the church? I mean, the, 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 the church, the body of Christ. I'm not talking about just Elizabeth Baptist Church, but are you a part of the universal church? You know Jesus, right? All right. Verse 23, watch this. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself, with himself. Talking about spiritual authority and accountability. Now, again, guys, I, I tell you that this, this account, spiritual authority and accountability is something that, that believers, even believers here in this church, I think, have taken too lightly. And what we don't realize is that when we don't understand spiritual authority, when we don't understand accountability, and we operate outside the boundaries of that, it puts us in a position to where God can only do so much for us. Because the Bible says it, and he repeats it over and over again, God is a God of what? Order. And God desires for all things, especially as it relates to his church, to be done what? Decently and in order. Order just means that there is, an, there is a line of authority that's, that's clearly delineated throughout the scriptures. We talked about on Wednesday night that all members of the Trinity are equally God, yet there is a line of authority. The son, when he came down here on, on earth, to be born in a manger in Bethlehem, submitted himself unto the authority of God. Do y'all realize that? Go to right quick to Philippians, the second chapter. I want to jump. I got to throw this in parenthetically, and we're going to move forward. Philippians chapter number two. Glory to God. Philippians chapter number two, verse number five. Look at verse number five. Philippians two, verse number five. How many of y'all know that Jesus was in the beginning? When the earth was formed, Jesus was already here. He did not just come in the manger in Bethlehem, but he manifested himself in human flesh 
in the manger in Bethlehem. And watch what Paul, as he writes to the church at Philippi, the saints at Philippi, he begins to try to get them to understand what kind of mindset he wanted them to have. Look, look what it says in verse number five. It says what? You must have the same attitude that what? That Christ Jesus had. The KJV says, let this mind be in you that was also what? In Christ Jesus. So in other words, what he's saying to the church then and he's saying to the church now, we should have the same attitude, the same disposition that Christ Jesus had. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Verse number six, let's roll. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. But look what, look what his attitude drove him to do. Verse number seven says what? Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared, what? In human form. So here you have a, a part of the Godhead, the triune God, God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Son didn't think that the privileges of deity was so much that he had to hang on to to where he couldn't release it to come and be born in a manger in Bethlehem. Check it out. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. The son humbled himself to the father. Well, Brother Pastor, I thought you said that the God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're, they're three in one. Yes, they are. But in the manifestation of, of, of God in himself, I, see, I can't explain how it is a, a God, a man is a God. He's God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But all I know is I believe it. It's kind of like this. I say it's kind of like this, just, just as an analogy, because God will use, amen, amen, typology to get us to understand the spiritual things. Just like me, as I, I am, first of all, Doyle Adams, a man, clearly a man, right? Unequivocally a man, right? Without fear or trepidation, I am a man. I don't question that. I have no, I have no, no, no doubts or illusions about that. Ask my wife, she'll tell you I am a man. Some of you, yes, yeah, okay, all right. Just, just ask her, she'll tell you I'm a man, okay? But I'm also, I function in several different roles. I am a father to three lovely children, Tanya, Levette, Means Hamilton, Sandra, Brene Adams, and Doyle Ray Adams Jr. They are my offspring. They look like me. I couldn't deny them if I wanted to. There is some genetic disposition inside of them that when you see them, you say, yeah, that's, that, they, they belong to the past. Amen? Yeah. So I am a father. Can I get a witness? I'm, I'm also a husband. Can I get a witness? I, I, I'm, I'm also a pastor. See, I function the same human being, that same man, Doyle Adams, functions in all three of those capacities. And when I am pastor, I'm being pastor. And when I'm father, I'm being father. When I was on vacation, I wasn't pastor on vacation. I was daddy going on vacation with my family. Can I get a witness? I didn't go around trying to be like pastor on vacation. 
because I was in my father's role. See, God, amen, poured out of himself. The Bible says the son did what? Humbled himself in obedience to God and what? Died a criminal's death on the cross. Look at the next part. Watch what it says. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of his highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. Next verse says what? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and under earth. Verse number 11 says what? And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the Son, amen, who, although he's fully God, yet fully man, when he was fully man, he subjected himself to the authority of the Father. When he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, he says, Father, if there's any other way that this can be done, let this cup pass from me. Because I don't want to be separated from you. Sin separates us from God. Can I get a witness? But he said this because he understood spiritual authority and he understood accountability. He understood what he came to do. He says, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but I'm going to subject my will to your will because, because as it relates to the line of authority, father is over son. All right. Now, let's, let's, let's fast forward here. Get back, let's go back to Ephesians, the first chapter. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter number one. I want to share this with you guys. Now, I, I gave my hand out on, on, on Wednesday, so you can catch that later. We'll get an email to you. The, the, the goal of biblical authority, guys, is uh, the goal of biblical authority and accountability in the church. We want to talk about that today, okay? Because we as believers are mutually responsible for one another. We are to obey church leadership. We, are, we, are, we have to realize that deacons, officers are accountable to the pastor, and the pastor is accountable to God and, and to the church congregation leadership as a whole. And the congregation is accountable for pastoral care. We talked about that on Wednesday night. But today, the first thing I want to go into is, is just, just jot this down if you can. Uh, talking about the goal of biblical authority and accountability in the church. It is not for me to get in your business. I got news for you guys. I have enough stuff going on that I'm not looking to go try to get into your stuff. But as your pastor in that role, I have a responsibility to care for the sheep. So if sheep go astray, then a good shepherd wants to go and grab a sheep. If sheep get out of, out of the fold and start nibbling over here where the wolf can come and get them, as a shepherd, if I don't say anything, woe is me because God's going to hold me accountable for what I tell you. How I, how I shepherd over you. Can I get a witness? So from that standpoint, I am concerned about what's happening with you. I'm very much concerned when I see believers straying. I'm very much concerned when I see believers not connected to their local assembly. I'm very much concerned when I see believers stepping back rather than stepping toward God. I'm very much concerned because I realize that as the shepherd of this house, God holds me accountable for feeding and caring for you. Most churches don't understand what it means to have a pastor. Most churches, I say most, I would say a majority of churches don't understand the role of a pastor because they feel like the pastor is just a hired gun, someone who they call to come and preach for them on Sunday, and you come back next Sunday. See, if that's your understanding of pastorship, you are so, so, you are, you are so misinformed. Because a, a pastor has the role of the under-shepherd. He has to care for the sheep. So that means that there's going to be some times when I have to get in the middle of your stuff. 
There's some, there's some times when, when we have to talk about where you stand in spiritual authority. We have to talk about uh, how are you moving toward the, the, the goal that God has for your life? How are you connecting with the assembly? How are, how are you growing in your faith? Because if we never talk about it and I see you straying, then God's going to hold me accountable. All right? Are y'all with me? So look back with me Ephesians chapter number one, and we're going to, uh, let's start it again. Let's, let's write this down, first of all. First of all, the goal of biblical authority and accountability in the church, number one, it is to establish and reflect the rule of God on earth through the church. The goal of biblical authority and accountability in the church is to establish and reflect. Everybody say establish and reflect the rule of God on earth through the church. To establish and reflect the rule of God on earth through the church. I got news for some of y'all out there. God's rule and authority and the way he wants to do things will not be established through the Democratic Party, the Republican Party, the Green Party, the Whig Party, the whatever kind of else parties out there. It will not come through the political system. And one of the gravest mistakes that the church can make is to attach itself to one political party or the other, whether it be Democrat or Republican, because they all got some messed up stuff going on. And so when you, when you try to attach the church's role to the political system, you are asking for trouble. Jesus never did that. Now, I'm not saying that we should not be involved as individual citizens, but what I'm saying is when we try to say, well, if you are of this party, you must not be really saved. If you're of this party, you must not be really going with God. And that's what is happening in society in America today. This ain't about politics. This is about the church. The goal of biblical authority and accountability in the church is to establish and reflect the rule of God on earth through the church. God created government, but he did not create government, amen, to promulgate or to promote the kingdom agenda. He created government for our protection. The Bible even talks about that, 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 that we are to obey those, you know, uh, our, our attorney general, general kind of used that scripture out of context to, 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 to it, it, it amazes me how you would, in, 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 in your mindset, take a parent and separate them from a, from a two-year-old or 15-year-old. I don't understand that. And, and, the, and the backlash that came from that should have been backlash. But he used Romans 13 out of context. That's why I want to teach you out. I want y'all to have some doctrine so that when you hear somebody say something out of context, you'll be like, okay, yeah, the Bible said that, but did you read before that? Did you read after that? Who was talking? Who was he talking to? What was he saying? See, we got to be biblically literate, folks. And we cannot be as a church biblically literate if we don't spend any time in the Bible. Are y'all with them still? Now watch, watch. So, so, so to establish, God, God didn't choose, even though he created the institution of government, that's not the institution he wants to use, amen, to reflect his rule in earth. He's chosen, passionately, to use the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to reflect his image and his kingdom agenda in the earth. 
What, what do we tell you the kingdom agenda was as defined by Dr. Tony Evans? It is the visible demonstration, Lou, of the comprehensive rule of God, Eric, in every area of your life. See, if kingdom agenda is operating in my life, it should be seen in every area. Don't, don't, don't say, well, this ain't got nothing to do with the church. If you're born again, everything you do got to do with the church. Every place you go has to do with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ because you can't separate yourself, amen, uh, from, from who you have become. Can I get a witness? In other words, if we are not our own, we've been bought with a price, we belong to God. So everywhere I go, whether I'm playing sports, whether I'm, I'm, I'm in the board, corporate boardroom, whether I'm, at the, uh, uh, whether I'm in the grocery store, I, don't, I can't separate who I am from who I am. Not to be legitimate. Are you following me? All right, so, so look back. Let's, let's look at what Paul was saying here as he writes. See if we can learn some things right here. Paul here as he writes in his first one. And guys, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm probably going to only get to this one point today. And so I will pick back up next week. Uh, but I want you to write it down. The, the, the goal of biblical authority and accountability in the church is so that we can, we can establish and reflect the rule of God on earth through the church. That's why God wants biblical authority and accountability in the church. Okay? Now, we, you remember we read Hebrews 13 where it says, Obey those who have the rule over you, for they what? Watch. That's Hebrews 13 and 17, I believe. It says, Obey those. There are people who are members of churches who have problem with the word obey. The word obey is there for a reason. It means to do what? Obey. It means that as a, as, 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 as a man, I have to learn to submit my, of myself unto the authority of somebody. I think that one of the reasons why many Christians have problems, even in their workplaces, is because we don't understand authority. I've shared this with y'all before, and some of y'all get a little mad at me, or maybe you won't even come up and say it, but I can kind of feel it. You know, the Holy Spirit will let me know when you kind of little tiff with me. And I, I, I submit to you, many of y'all have trouble in your job because you don't understand authority. Many of y'all can't stay in a place because you haven't understood authority. If you, will, if you just take this teaching that we're going to give you and, and, then, and then internalize it, you become a better employee. Because everything you do, the Bible says, whatsoever you do, do it hardly as of the Lord. But there are many Christians who people don't like to work with because you don't understand authority. Can I say it again? You, you don't understand authority. Watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Let's go. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, y'all, y'all in Ephesians. Let me, let me move here because I, I don't want to get sidetracked. Ephesians chapter number one. Look with me again at verse number 18. Let's start there. Because Paul desired the, the, the Ephesian Christians to understand what great wealth they had in Christ. And Paul knew, he knew of their faith and their love. And he was rejoicing in the fact that this church um, uh, was doing well as it relates to expressing the love of God. He said again in verse 15, uh, back up to verse 15, says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. He says, I pray for you constantly. How many of y'all pray for people constantly? How many of y'all pray for fellow believers constantly? He says, I, I never stop thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. 
It avails much. So the, 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 what, what we got to understand is, is that the, the, the Christian life, guys, uh, actually has two dimensions. It has two dimensions. It has faith toward God and love toward men. Faith toward God and love toward men. Y'all heard me say it before time and time again. You, your, your vertical relationship with God cannot be right if your horizontal relationship with men is all messed up. You can't be all right with God and, 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 and never all right with people who you're in connection with. Because the God who you say you're connecting with is all about the people down here who you dismissing and don't have anything to do with. See, God, amen, expects us to be his vessels to promulgate his love in the earth realm. And so if I got a problem with a man, I need to do what the Bible says and get that corrected as much as lies in me. Because how many of you know what the Bible does says, as much as lies in you, live what? Peaceably with all men. Some folks won't let you live peaceably with them. But you better be caught trying to live peaceably with them. Some people are just cantankerous, mean, hateful, and, 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 and all you can do is make sure you show the love of God. Because sometimes what I discovered is those folks who are that way uh, have had some hurt and pain in their life, and so they hadn't dealt with the hurt and pain, so that's why they're all mean and crazy. But we have a responsibility to try to live peace with them, right? Because we, we, we saw on Wednesday night, Matthew 18, there's an out between you and your brother. What do you do? You go to him one-on-one. -on -one. Tell him his fault between you and him alone, and then if he hears you, you gain your brother. If he doesn't hear you, do what? Take two or three more spiritual brothers with you. If he doesn't hear you then, do what? Bring before church council. If he's still misbehaving, still not doing right, then at that point in time, the church council will make a decision to disfellowship that person from the church. But we have a responsibility to go to them. Don't wait on them to come to us. You go to them. Some of y'all right now got somebody who you need to go to. You got real quiet then, didn't you? Some of y'all have somebody in your family on the job that you know you need to go to. And because there's an alt between you two. But as a believer, if you're going to follow the authority of the word of God, you go to them. What if they don't receive it, Pastor? That, that, ain't, that, that, that is not your job. If they don't receive you, that's on them. But if I don't go, it's on me. Can I get a witness? All right, so, so let's keep moving. So, so the Christian life has two dimensions, faith toward God and love toward men, and you cannot separate the two. You cannot separate your service to God from your interaction with other human beings, other fellow believers, and those who are out there in the world, okay? Paul knew that faith and love were just the beginning of this process. So as he talks to them, the Ephesians needed to know much more. That's why he prayed for them, and he's praying for us. Now, when we study this, keep this in mind. Paul, Paul had some, his prayer was for enlightenment. There are times, guys, when, when we become enlightened about something, okay? Enlightenment means that I've, uh, some light has been shined on it, and now I have a measure of understanding about that thing that I did not know about, okay? So Paul is praying for them for, for enlightenment. Let's, let's, let's get back, if you will. Uh, look at verse number, uh, verse number 18. It says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance, okay? 
He says, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. Incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power. Now watch this now. Paul said, I pray that you, you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. What he's saying is that God's power for us is the same type power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father. He says, I want that same power to operate in you. Now watch this. I want that same power, the power that raised Christ up from the dead. Paul says, I pray that that power is operating you. It is God's will for you to walk in divine power. It is God's will for you and I to possess more than just our physical and intellectual strength. God desires for us to walk in his power. That means that when Jesus says uh, that, that the works that I do, greater works will you do. What he was saying was is that when I leave here, the comfort of the Holy Spirit is going to come, and he, when he fills you, come on, he's going to empower you to do things you can't do on your own. How many of y'all wouldn't admit there are some folks you can't love in your own strength? Can I, can I get one hand raised? How, how many of you know somebody that you say, oh, Jesus, help me, help me, Jesus. Every time you see him, help me, Jesus. Any of y'all ever said that before? Oh, Lord, help me. Because you know, in your own strength, you're getting ready to tell them off in your own strength. But when you walk, somebody, somebody nodding and saying, yeah, Pastor, I feel you. I know exactly what you're talking about. But when you learn how to submit yourselves to the spiritual authority that comes by way of the Holy Ghost who fills you, then now you can deal with that person and not go off. I'm tired of Christians talking about, well, you know, I just tell folks like I, like, I tell them what I want to tell them and, 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 and they're going to know me. Well, well, well hold up, Hoss, because <laughs> you have a responsibility to represent God in the earth realm. I told you when we started, I said the goal of biblical authority and accountability of the church is to establish and reflect the rule of God on earth through the church. What if you keep going off on people and, and if you're still cussing people, hello, if you are still being uh, dogmatic and brutish and mean-hearted, how are you going to reflect the rule of God in the earth realm, which we as body of believers have been called to do? We should be, the, we should be uh, visibly demonstrating God's comprehensive rule in every area of our life. That includes how we deal with difficult people. And so God is going to test us and he's going to put us in a position where he has to refine us so that we can represent him in earth realm. So don't give me this excuse about, well, they just they better not mess with me. Now, I'm not saying that you, that you, that you be a, a pushover or fuddy-duddy, but there's a way to handle things. And God is calling on each of us, amen, to represent him in earth realm by the way we deal with other people, Okay. So, 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 so as we look at this, we understand that, that, that faith toward God and love toward men, they, they cannot be separated. The Ephesians needed to know much more, and so he's trying to pray for their enlightenment. First of all, we, we got to understand that enlightenment 
comes from the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Go away right with the John 14 chapter. Y'all seen this for John 14, verse 25 and 26. John 14, 25 and 26. First of all, enlightenment comes from the Holy Spirit. Guys, if you're trying to understand life just based off your intellect, you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna have some intellectual knowledge and there's some things you're gonna know, but guys. As a Christian, there is revelation knowledge that is given to us who submit our will to the Holy Spirit. And if you're only relying on what you learn in the books and not from the scripture, you're going to be missing some things. God gives us power. He gives us revelation knowledge by way of his Holy Spirit. Watch what Jesus said here. He says, I am telling you these things now, while I am still with you. But notice what he says in verse number 26. Read, it says what? But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I told you. Watch this. When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, who's the advocate? The Holy Spirit, okay? He will do what? Teach you everything and we'll do what? Remind you of everything I told you. He's talking to his followers, his disciples. He says, when I leave here, he knew that he was leaving, but God was going to send a helper that was, that, that a paraclete, one who's called alongside the help, the Holy Spirit, who was going to teach them everything, and we're going to remind them of everything that he'd already told them. How many of y'all have ever had difficulty remembering Bible verses? Let me see your hands. All right. You know what? What, what I, you know, part of, part of that is putting Bible verses in memory, but part of that is, is learning to rely on the Holy Spirit. Here's what I've learned. Um, first of all, the Bible says he'll, the Holy Spirit will bring things to our what? Remembrance, all right? He'll bring it to our remembrance. But in order for him to bring it to our remembrance, Sherry, we first of all have to put it in our memory, all right? If you never put word down in you, then Holy Spirit ain't going to bring anything up to you. See, many of us are not enlightened about spiritual things because we, we just fight out lazy. These things right here, these tablets, and I, I don't have my phone. My phone's in the office. Uh, these things have, have, have taken our attention away from the Word of God. How many of y'all got your phone with your record? Let me see. Let me see. All right. How many of y'all, if you left home and you were two miles down the road and forgot your phone, would you turn back around and go get it? Come on, be honest. Be honest. Come on, be honest. Some of y'all lying to me now. You're two miles down the road and, 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 and you know your wife jealous. You know your husband jealous. Huh? Y'all done been through that thing before. And so now, okay, now I, I'm, not, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand after I just did that. But when your wife can't get in touch with you, brother, for five hours and she's got a jealous spirit and maybe she's jealous because you've done something that you shouldn't have done. Can I talk? Can we talk? Now, you don't, you don't have to raise your hand now, but I want to know how many of y'all, when you got two miles down the road under that scenario, wouldn't turn back around and go back and get that phone. Because you need to be in touch with your spouse. Hello? 
Are y'all still with me? Is this too real for you all? Is this, is this, is this, is this, is this a little bit uh, uh, out of the box for, for you Christians? Because after all, we have no Christians who are jealous, do we? We have no believers in here. Oh, oh, yes, yes. And I, guys, listen to me. I told y'all this before and I said again. Uh, we've talked about this before. Uh, you, know, you know, those things are, are there to help us organize, but they can also be time distractors. And nothing wrong with having a phone. I think technology is there. Use it to, to, for benefit. Use it to advance kingdom principles. Use it so you can stay in touch with your family, all those things. But don't let it take your mind away from what the scripture says. Don't let it take your time away from word time. Some of y'all spend more time on Facebook, social media than you do in the word. Let me say it again. Some believers, as a matter of fact, I'm going to say a, a, a lot of believers, based on what Barna Group says in their study, that a lot of believers don't spend time, quiet time with God, meditating in his word. But we will spend time seeing what some crazy person on Facebook said who don't, shouldn't even have a voice, but you listen to that crazy person. And responding to somebody who, who really you shouldn't even respond to. Hello? That's how the Russians got us. Huh? The, the Russians knew, come on, that we, 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 we're trolling social media looking at crazy stories that a lot of times were made up and got you riled up, you out there marching for something that didn't even happen. It was a made up story. But because we're so nosy. Can I get a witness up in here? All right? So, so, so what am I saying? Enlightenment comes by the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will bring the scripture to our memory, but it can't bring to your remembrance what you hadn't put into your remembrance. What you hadn't put into your memory. So, so he's there to help us, but guess what? We got to, first of all, show some effort. So first, first thing I want you to just jot down, enlightenment comes from the Holy Spirit. Look at John 16, verse 12 through 14. John 16, verse 12 through 14. Spiritual authority and accountability. Now, this message is not one to tell you how to get more money. This message is not one to tell you how to, how, how to make up with your girlfriend. But, I, but it could be. It could be. When you learn spiritual authority and accountability and you start living according to God's will, then you become more attractive, I think, to people who are looking for a solid man or a solid woman. How many of y'all want a man who loves God, loves his family, knows what's important in life besides sports and where LeBron going to sign? Can you go a little deeper than than where LeBron's going to sign. Can, can you talk about some real issues? Huh? How many, how many brothers want, want, want a lady, want a wife, who can go a little bit deeper than, than the ladies' nighttime soap opera? Who can talk about more than just the church gossip? Brothers say, well, now, brother, pastor, I, I'm all right right where I am. Now, now you, if you want a lady who is spiritually minded, who can support you and help you to grow in ministry. That, that's, that's a jewel, guys. That Proverbs 31 woman. All right, watch it, watch it. So spiritual enlightenment. Look, look at John 16 right quick. Verse 12 through 14. Are y'all still tracking with me? Watch this now. He says, 
there is so much more. Who's talking here, y'all? Jesus. He says, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. How many of y'all, there are some things that, that depending on where, what level you are in your spiritual development and growth, you can't grasp certain things. As a matter of fact, Paul said that when he was writing to the church at Corinth, which we're going to do a teaching on 1st and 2nd Corinthians here in the fall, and we're going to entitle it Scandalous, because the church at Corinth has some scandalous stuff going on. But, 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 but there was some stuff he wanted to write to the church at Corinth, uh, Lance. He couldn't write it to them because they were not able to discern it. They were spiritual babies, and a spiritual baby can only handle so much. Just like a natural-born baby can only handle so much. There's certain type of things you got to give a newborn. A newborn baby cannot handle pork chops. Come on now, Andre. That baby you got. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe he's he, he ain't pork chop yet. Is not not quite. No, not quite. All right, he's not even that yet. But but if you. If you gave him that and fed him that, it would mess his system up. But as he grows and as he develops, I got news for you. I got one that's 18 and he will eat up everything. <laughs> Are you with me? But as he grew and as he matured, in the same way that God gives us that same spiritual analogy, there are certain things Paul said to the church of Corinth, I want to tell you, but I can't tell you because you, you just like spiritual babies. You, you're still on milk. And I don't mean, that's, that's why a lot of our churches are suffering. And I don't want this church to suffer because we got too many spiritual babies. Some people are still just stuck in 1971 spirituality. Listen, you've been saved all this time. You should have grown in your faith. Watch it. So, so watch it. Watch, watch what Jesus said. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it right now. But watch what he tells them. Watch what he tells them. Look at this. Next verse says what? Let's read. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. Now watch this again. He will not speak on his own. See, the Holy Spirit understands authority. Watch this now. I told you the son understood authority. Can I get a witness? The Holy Spirit understands authority. The son was subject to whom? The father. Now watch what the Holy Spirit, watch what Jesus said. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into what? All truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. Verse number 14, let's read. It says what? He will bring me glory by telling you, watch this, whatever Brenda he receives from me. This is, this is Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, now the Father, amen, amen, the Son is up to the Father, right? Because we saw that when he came down here, was born in the manger in Bethlehem, Tabernacle down here for 33 and a half years, went to the cross of Calvary, was in the garden of Gethsemane, said, not my will, but your will be done. Son, subject to Father. Holy Spirit, subject to what? Son. They, they understood order. But I be doggone, in the church today, we don't want to stay in spiritual thoughts in order. Because there are people who are out here in the church who are saying, that pastor can't tell me what to do. I'm my own man. Let me tell you something. 
That kind of attitude is going to get you in a whole lot of trouble with the Lord. The text says, he will bring me glory. This is Jesus talking. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All right? So enlightenment comes from the Holy Spirit. With our natural mind, guys, we cannot understand the things of God. We need the Spirit to enlighten us. Go to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter, right quick. 1 Corinthians, chapter number two. I just want to walk you through this, okay? Because, again, I want to unpack this, and I want you to be thinking about this, because what does that look like, Pastor? Well, see, authority in the church looks like this. Whenever I receive a word from the Lord, rightly divided, dispensationally correctly articulated, in other words, I understand the difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Uh, I, I studied my Bible, and I know what was for the nation of Israel, and I know what was, was for the church. And when I get that word explained to me, rightly divided, at that point, every last one of us in here have an obligation to do that word that we heard. Okay? Every one of us in here. Now, because again, the word of God is synonymous with the Son of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was with God. The Word became flesh and did what? Dwelt among men. Can I get a witness? All right? And so that, that, the Word uh, is, is, is our authority. So when I hear Word but refuse to do Word, then I'm taking myself out from under spiritual authority. That's what happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. Y'all know that, right? God gave them a Word. He, he said, you know, every tree you can eat up on except this one. He, you know, he says you can freely eat of everything else in here. But God being God, the way he made man, he didn't want to make, make man a robot. He wants us to follow him because our will is pointed toward him. He didn't make him a robot and make him do it, but he gave him a choice. But they saw a man something outside of what God could have given them had they just approached him for it. All right? Watch this. Look, look, look here. First, uh, uh, where did I tell you go? Second. 1 Corinthians chapter number 2, verse number 9. Let's look at it right quick. 1 Corinthians 2, verse number 9. Glory to God. Everybody say spiritual authority and accountability. You know, and as we go through here, one of the ways that I think that helps people is when they have accountability from other believers in Christ. How many of y'all have discovered that if you're trying to work out and lose weight, it's better when you got somebody working out with you? Is that right? And, and when you have somebody else who's going to check you on what you've been eating. Because I told you before, I, I've learned that in order to lose weight, you, you got to, not only you got to exercise, but you got to eat right. Isn't that right, Connie? Right. Connie know about that. All right. Uh, if, if, but but, but if, if, if we go work out together, but we're not accountable to each other about what we're eating, in other words, you can't check on me and, tell me and ask me about what I ate, and I'll be honest with you. Because people will lie. You know that, right? People will lie. All right, so, so, so let's say we, we walked five miles today, but I went ate uh, maybe a half a sandwich and a salad, and you went home and ate some ribs, potato salad, baked beans, and you had some peach cobbler and banana pudding. And sweet tea on top of it. Somehow we think sweet tea healthy. In the South, we think sweet tea is healthy. We order stuff that give me some sweet tea. And depends on what restaurant you go to, that sweet tea is just like a sugar drink. 
But but understand this. So now if, if so you ate that, but I ate this. If 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 we you know we and we start looking at each other, I may be losing the weight. You're not losing the weight. But but we try to understand why. But it's 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 it's, it's in being accountable for what we put in the body as well as what we're doing with the body. So accountability means that that, that I have to I have to submit myself to somebody. And so a lot of times it's helpful in our everyday going to submit ourselves. Watch what the text says here. All right. This is what the scripture says. This, this is what the scripture means when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Watch this. Verse number 10. Come on, let's read. Uh, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. How did God reveal these things that were unimaginable? How? By his spirit, by the Holy Spirit says, for his spirit does what? Searches out everything and shows us what? If you want to know what God's deep secrets are, get filled with his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit will reveal his word to you and you'll know what God's deep secrets are. I got news for you. Learning the deep secrets of God and learning the revelatory knowledge of God is, is, is like searching for gold. Many of us trying to, to, uh, to know God without really pursuing God. Many of us want to know what God's word says, but we're not willing to pursue him purposefully and on purpose and, 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 and doing it in a diligent fashion. So that, therefore, because we're not willing to pursue, because we don't ever pick up our Bible. Come on now. Come on, be honest. Can we be honest? Everybody close your eyes right now. Don't, I'm not going to actually raise your hand. Just, kind of just, just be honest with yourself right now. In church, if you lie to yourself in church, I know you're lying at home to yourself. But do you really honestly pursue God? I mean, really honestly. Uh, you can open your eyes now. Do you really honestly have an appetite for the things of God? Or do you only have an appetite when you're in trouble or when you need some help? See, most Christians, I believe, got saved, but most Christians aren't honestly, earnestly, with diligence, pursuing him. All right? Craig, let me ask you a question. You met Alia at Jackson State? You did? Okay. How did Alia know that you were really into her? You pursued. Uh huh. He pursued her. Did you call her? Did you try to be around her? You tried to be in her space where she was? You tried to be? Alia. How did Craig know that you were really into him? Craig says she pursued me. Guys, you know. Come on, Nancy Tyrone. <laughs> Look at Miss Emery right there. She's just laying on your lap. So I, I know Tyrone has pursued you, Nancy. You got Emmy there, that beautiful little baby. But, but it was evident by his pursuit of you. Guys, it's, let's quit. Let's, let, let's stop faking it. Stop, stop pretending like we're really pursuing God when we're really not. And you, you know, it, come on now, I, we, got, we got to be real. As your pastor, I need for you to be real. See, if you, if you, one of the reasons why many of us aren't understanding the things of God, 
Because we're not really pursuing God. The text says, but it was, it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secret. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's read. Hurry up. I got to go. It says what? Uh, no one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. Look at the next verse. Read. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has what? Freely given us. Next verse. Come on, let's go. It says, when we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us. Paul talking to the church at Corinth. We speak words given to us by the Spirit. Using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truth. Look at it. Watch this next verse. Come on, let's go. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. That's why you got family members who think you're crazy. Because you come to church twice a week. And you're involved. And you tithe. And you give offerings. And you'll give sacrificially. And you will, you will get connected to more than just one ministry. They think you spend too much time at the church. They think this stuff is foolish to you. To them it is. Watch what it says. It all sounds foolish to them. And they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. <laughs> uh, when, you, when you're spiritual, you'll do some things that may seem foolish to those who you're in connection with. Look at verse 15 and 16. I got to go. I got to let you go. Watch this. It says, those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. Verse 16 says what? For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. So enlightenment comes from the Holy Spirit. Second thing is, enlightenment comes to the heart of the believer. Enlightenment comes from the Holy Spirit, but enlightenment comes to the heart of the believer. Literally, this verse says, the eyes of your heart being enlightened. And most of us, we think of the heart as the emotional part of man. But in the Bible, the heart means the inner man. It includes the emotions, the mind, and the will. The inner man, the heart, has spiritual faculties that parallel our physical uh, senses. Watch, watch. You, see, your, your, your heart, the, the inner man can, can, number one, see just like you can see with your eyes, just natural eyes. The inner man can see, the inner man can hear, it can taste, it can smell, it can touch. I got all those scriptures down there, but I don't have time to go through them today. We'll look at it on next week. But guys, I want you to understand something. What this is saying is there are certain things that you're not going to understand except the Spirit of God revealed them to you. Are y'all with me? All right, so, so make sure you got this. I said, I said this, uh, first of all, I said uh, enlightenment comes from the Holy Spirit. And second thing, this enlightenment comes to the heart of the believer. The heart of the believer, amen? The heart of the believer. And the heart includes you, you, that emotional part, the mind and the will. The inner man, the inner man, and that inner man, the Bible says, can see, it can hear, it can taste, and smell, and touch, like our physical man. That's what Jesus meant when he said to the people, he says, they seeing, see not, and hear, and they hear not. How many of you can hear something but not really hear? That's why Jesus said, he that had ears to hear, what? Let him hear. See, some of y'all are hearing me, but you ain't really hearing me. 
You're hearing me audibly, but you're not hearing me with understanding about what I'm talking about. Because you're going to leave here and, and say, okay, well, that's a good little sermon there. Uh, uh, bless his heart. He did the best he could. <laughs> but you're not going to go in pursuit. And the only way you're going to know the things of God is you got to pursue it, and it's about the spirit of God. So, guys, I'm out of time. But you know what? I'm going to pick back up next week, and we're going to delve some more on spiritual authority and accountability. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Father.